0: Okay, first John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it's a short passage, but uh, it is an important passage when we consider our walk with the Lord and uh, the kinds of things that we face here um, while we are awaiting the Lord's coming or before the Lord takes us home to be with Him. So, um, this passage has a good message for us this afternoon. First John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lusts of it, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do ask your blessing upon the word of God, and pray your Holy Spirit to minister it to us, as the great teacher is able to comfort our hearts, and edify us in faith, and build us up in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, let me start by saying this, that um, um, though this passage seems to say to us that we should not love the world, um, there is a dimension of this teaching here um, which is quite different than we might suspect. Um, And first of all, uh, we realize that there are many groups that may take this and try to twist it to a different teaching than what is here. Uh, and so we want to be aware that some people or some teaching um, has, is contrary to what the Bible says in this place. But we'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, first of all, the system of this world is really being addressed here. It's not creation. God made this world as we know it. God is the great creator of all things. And uh, so the, um, the idea here of world is world system and not mankind in particular, though mankind is a part of our world. But there is a world system which we know is very much active and which is uh, against God. And so uh, Satan, who is the god of this world, according to the Bible, a small g-o-d, of course, uh, lesser, and certainly one who is against, an anti-god, if you will, uh, we find that Satan has his own particular bent, if you will, and wants to uh, accomplish those things that are not in keeping with God's will. And so we find that this world system, according to James 4.4, is at enmity with God. That is, if one is not for God, then one is an enemy of God. And, uh, of course, there are many who would fall into that category, and certainly the world system, which we know today, is at enmity with God. Um, Also, we would recognize that... um, as we look at this passage, there are three different distinctives that would characterize the world and that we have warned against those, and we'll look at those as well. Uh, first of all, the worldly system is that enmity with God, and so that's one of the areas we will look at. Secondly, the worldly system is identified as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that may be vaguely familiar to you, as Eve was tempted in the same three areas. And then uh, John contrasts the two views, the temporal view and the divine view, if you will. And um, the system which we know of in the world today is temporal and is temporary. Um, But God's view of things is a divine view. Uh, Even from the very beginning, God created the world and said that it was very good. His creation was good. And that what he did uh, at the very beginning for mankind was uh, truly something that no other world knows about. Because as far as what we are told in the Word of God, we are the only world that exists like us, and um, contrary to science and many other evolutionists and so forth in the world, uh, who are great philosophers, perhaps, and do speculate and do try to um, bring up theories and so forth, um, they have not proved any of those things. Evolution has not proved its theory that man evolved from a mud puddle, if you will. (laughs) They have not proved it. There's no missing link. They have not found it. And, uh, of course, as far as their ability to go out into the world in space, we find that it has not proven to uh, say that man exists out there anywhere. Uh, So... um, There is much speculation, but we do know the Word of God is truth, and that is what we are to base our belief system upon. And so first of all, the world, this worldly system is at enmity with God. Now, um, as we look at the Bible, it uh, does tell us some things about this. And uh, the word cosmos here is the word for world, but it's the same word that you find translated in other passages as well, and it is generally interpreted by the context of the passage. For God so loved the world. John 3.16, well, the word is cosmos there as well, but it means mankind. It does not mean that God died for the creation he created, except for man. Mankind is, is who that he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for. And so we have to look at the context. And so as we look at this, this particular context, he says, love not the world. Now, previous to this, uh, we find that love is something we are to emulate. But here, he puts a negative on it, saying that we are not to love something. And, and uh, the something that we are not to love is a worldly system that is against God. Why do the heathen rage, um, Psalm 2 tells us, and and really uh, rebellious against God. Why is that? Well, because uh, the world is an, an enemy of God. The worldly system in which we live and which has existed from of the fall, is at enmity with God. And so we find here that that John tells the believers, he says, um, love not this worldly system. Love not. And so the system of this world is an enemy of God. The friendship of the world, James tells us in James 4.4, is the enemy of God. To be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And um, we have to look at that carefully, don't we? Because we live in the world. We live in this, uh, this world and we find that we have to earn a living, we have to raise our families, we, um, we have to interact with people and uh, all of the things that we do. But as believers, as Christians we do things differently than the world. The world is set on a different course. Um, You know, I suppose war is a good example. Why do people um, perpetrate war against one another so much? Um, You know, the situation in the Ukraine today, you know, how senseless it is just to to make war in a neighboring country simply because uh, one person wants to subdue them. Um, and that's all. They just want to dictate over them uh, to control that country. Maybe for its finances, maybe for its wealth in other ways, uh, but as we know is happening, wars continue. and. Um, Remember that when Jesus was tempted the, uh, of the devil, the Spirit of God took him out into the wilderness, and there the, the devil tempted jesus and One of the areas of temptation was that Satan was ready to just hand over all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus if he would just bow down to him but we, uh, and that is a perfect example of of how that the world and its system is against God. And uh, so Satan is uh, very much active in this area of uh, wanting to have his way in the kingdoms of the world. And uh, this worldly system, uh, culture and society and government uh, that is uh, very much a part of the world, is uh, at enmity with God. They they are not seeking to do God's will; they are seeking to do their own will. And so it it is um, it is the government and the culture and the society of people uh, that fulfill these desires that we see are uh, being identified here in this passage. And he mentions them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And again, John encourages us as believers that we should not love the world and its worldly system. We should not fulfill these lustful desires that the world is seeking to fulfill. But rather, we should seek to do the will of God. Because this world is passing away. And uh, everything in it will, uh, of course, be burned up uh, from what we know in the Word of God, and that God will, will judge the world. Uh, but yet, those who know and do the will of God will abide with God forever. And so we, we believe in these eternal realities that God has outlined for us. Um, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, if you'd like to turn there with your Bible, um, we find that this is the, what I believe is probably the classic passage of saying that uh, Satan is very much at the head of the helm, if you will, um, concerning this, the world system in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 we'll begin reading with verse 3 because if our gospel be hidden it is hidden to them that are lost now, of course Paul is addressing the Corinthian believers and and he says, uh, when we preach the gospel, if, if people are not be understanding and believing the very gospel of Jesus Christ which we preach to them, it is because they are lost. They are without Christ. They do not understand. He says uh, in, in verse 4, In whom the God of this age, or this world, uh, hath blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so Satan is actively blinding, blinding people uh, through his, this uh, worldly system, which we, which we know is uh, very much involved um, in government and in society and in culture. And then, well, we may as well add religion too, because there is there are plenty of religions which are against God, because they are not seeking to accomplish the will of God, but rather they seek to accomplish the will of man. And we find that the the God of this world has is using these things to blind people to the truths, uh, and um, and that's where we understand that these things uh, take place in the spiritual realm. Um, And so uh, we have to recognize that there is a great deal going on here behind the scenes. Uh, So we find that this worldly system is against God. Uh, Secondly, the worldly system is identified in these three areas that we have here and which we see in verse sixteen, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world, and so these three areas uh, uh, areas of, or characteristics they, they identify the world in in the kind of things that uh, uh, being demonstrated uh, and used to blind people. Um, we might call them in some sense distractions because people get very much distracted by all these things uh, and takes them away from the spiritual because they, uh, they become very much involved in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, just simply stating each one of these has kind of an explanation all of their own. That is, when, when you mention the flesh, you think of those, those things that please um, the body, the natural body. And so when we talk about the flesh, we, we think of the natural element of man. It's, we're not talking about the spirit, we're talking about the flesh. And, of course, when we think about the kinds of diversions and things which people get involved in in the world, we know that are, uh, there are a great many of them. And they have to do with all kinds of different uh, uh, pleasures, if you will. And so, since these things are promoted in the worldly system, uh, we find they do not then support the will of God. Um, And all you have to do is begin to think about just about anything that is going on in the world today and uh, just ask yourself, does that support the will of God or is that something that is only for the natural pleasure and fleshly desires of man? You see. Um, We probably should say something right off uh, here and say, say this. We are not, uh, as believers, we're not against materialism. That is in the sense of creation. God created the the things around us. Should we enjoy them? Yes. Um, That does not mean that we're supposed to necessarily deprive ourselves of what God has created. But we do know that anything that um, that is taking us away from God... And his true will for our lives um, may be then considered to be something that we shouldn't be doing. And of course there is so much of that that goes on today. And uh, people might call those kinds of things gray areas. But there are some which are definitely not gray areas at all. They're just out and out sin and everybody knows it. Um, And usually they're on the subject of immorality. Um, and uh, since that is uh, very much in a part of our society, then we know that that is not a part of the will of God. God outlined in uh, the Ten Commandments you know, the kinds of things that society should be doing and, and not doing. Um, you know, We shouldn't be murdering, we shouldn't be stealing, we shouldn't be lying... We shouldn't be coveting. We shouldn't be committing adultery. We shouldn't be. We all know those kinds of things that are outlined there in the Ten Commandments. But even if somebody doesn't do those things, and they neglect to recognize God, and they take the Lord's name in vain, and they continue to live in a rejecting way or a rebellious way against the Word of God then we know that they're just as guilty. And uh, as the book of Romans tells us, we are all guilty. All the world is guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that the wages of sin is death. Truly, the penalty of sin is death. And spiritual death, physical death, yes. And also spiritual death. Um, and so we find that all of this is very much uh, wrapped up within the idea of this worldly system. He says, love not the world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, uh, and so in this uh, second area here, uh, he begins with this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. So the result of this worldly system, such as a a people who follow the dictates of the world and the system of this world that rejects God and uh, that they uh, do not then believe that God is, even. That that God exists. Um, And as I mentioned very much earlier, uh, evolution and the various theories of mankind, these are rejecting Philosophies of God—they reject God. They don't. don't, This does not support God, and so there is no place in our belief system to say, "Well, maybe the God God took uh, eons of time to evolve mankind, but I still believe there is a God." In other words, they call that theistic evolution, and um, that is against the word of God. God doesn't say that He took eons of time to. Uh, to create man or to create the world. God said he spoke it into existence. Um, And so, uh, as we look at these various ideas, these various theories, these various philosophies, as you listen to people and what they tell you, especially uh, to those who are in some kind of governmental position or positions of authority or positions of education and all of this kind of thing, Um, we have to uh, look at what they have to say very carefully and remember that we are not to fall into the uh, concept of a worldly system that rejects God. And there is much that rejects God. In John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Jesus is spoken of by John in his gospel saying, and this is what he says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. This is speaking about Jesus. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now, it isn't talking about creation. It's talking about mankind. This mankind which is subject to this worldly system that which uh, everybody is wrapped up in. Um, and that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And you know the next verse goes on to say, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be called the sons of God. Well, so we see this world, John says that Jesus came into the world, and the world did not acknowledge that he is the son of God, neither that he was truly God. They did not acknowledge that. And when you stop and think about it, how many belief systems and how many religious groups today uh, do you know that do not believe that Jesus is truly God? They might call him a good teacher. They might call him a good man. They, they might say he, he brought many wonderful ideas uh, to, uh, to society, but they do not believe he is God. And you see, that thought is very much a part of this worldly system in which we live, and we are, to, we are to make sure that we do not follow that kind of a worldly system, because it is against God. And if it is against God, then it is then an enmity with, with God. So the system of this world being identified, the first characteristic being the lust of the flesh, then we realize that the lust of the flesh is associated with not only human desire but the cravings of various kinds although some are not physical we find the desire of that is also uh, considered to be a part of the flesh because there's a natural desire it is a natural desire well we know some, some groups have tried to get away from any kind of materialism or fleshly desires or lust because they have either in some way deprived themselves and maybe the monks have been most famous for this in history you know they would be closeted away from the world and in some sense they would even treat themselves in a masochistic way they would torment themselves or punish themselves and um, well not just a Roman Catholic monk but you might think of the B- Buddhism and various kinds of Eastern belief systems they also believe that in some sense to deprive yourself of the of worldly pleasure or worldly materialism uh, is somehow making you more godly um, and so we, we, we recognize that um, this, this kind of a belief system is against God too. This is against God. Even, even if somebody says, oh, well, I'm going to deprive myself of many things so that I'll be, I'll be more holy may not be uh, any benefit at all as far as one's walk with God. It may be they're just making themselves more miserable in life and thinking that they are somehow better for it. Um, in other words, uh, if we are to truly recognize a worldly system for what it is and, and try not to uh, become a part of it, then we, are to, then we are to know the Bible enough so that we can um, stay away from those kinds of things that would influence us Influence us into a system that rejects God, and because that's really a big, tall order, isn't it? Um, I suppose in in John's day, you know, with the Roman Empire being so much in control of every facet of their lives, that um, this came home to the believers who dwelt in Asia Minor and all around the Mediterranean. Uh, that it came home very strongly and said, um, how am I going to truly make myself free from a government that is against God? Emperor worship was in vogue. um, And the emperors wanted to be worshipped before any other god was worshipped. They didn't mind if you had your own god, but you must worship the emperor first and then you could worship your own god. And uh, you see, that is quite contrary to um, what we know to be true within the Word of God. If you're a believer, we're not to worship any other God. Um, that there, there is to be none before the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that he alone is to receive our, uh, our worship. And so, um, he, he talks about this uh, kind of thing, the flesh as a natural and physical part of the normal living of man but yet we find that when the world uh, is involved with it it becomes something which is against God because the world promotes every kind of indulgence to, for the sake of itself for the sake of their own natural pleasures Calvin comments saying this that the flesh means the whole corrupt nature of man. Um, and so here's uh, Calvin is simply saying nature, the natural man is corrupt. Uh, we have fallen into sin in the Garden of Eden. And um, the whole natural nature of man is corrupt. And so that is the flesh. And, and, and we must at all times oppose uh, yielding to the natural nature of man that stands against God. And uh, I think you can probably understand that because if we understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, all do sin, and that the wages of sin is death, then you understand that right at the heart of every individual is this fallen human nature. And so a little child that grows up, we know even though they're quite innocent and they're cute and they do many wonderful things and they may even obey their parents and do everything that they're supposed to do, yet uh, though they do not yet know the Lord Jesus as their own Savior, there is a natural fallen nature within the heart of every individual. And that is that fleshly nature that wants to and is, desires uh, things and Desires to do whatever it wants to do, and it is against God at, the, at its very heart and it isn 't until we come to faith in Christ that we realize that that fallen nature is so uh, so much an enemy of God, and that we need to do what is right and good as we study the Word of God and in obedience to the scriptures. Uh, In Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, it says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in the night, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, which is sexual activity and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. See right there. Make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. So all of those things that are are of the natural man want to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And none of us are, are exempt from it, even as Christians, we're not exempt. Well if we were, why, why does John even mention it? You see, uh, he mentions it because he knows that we are all subject to the natural fallen nature, and that we need to stand against it. And part of what we do to stand against it is to stand against a society. Um, uh, not to go along with a society that is wor- very much worldly and very much uh, um, at enmity with God. I remember qu- quite a number of years ago, I was in, I was on the school board at the time, and was in a finance committee meeting, and uh, one of the people in the finance committee wanted to give me a compliment, I guess and they was complimenting me supposedly on my daughter and they were saying, you must be so happy with your daughter, she's so worldly. <laughs> and, you know, of course, what, what can you say in a finance committee meeting about that? You just uh, say, I'm, I'm very happy with her. You know, you, you don't want to say more, much more than that. You just want to consent, yes, you're happy with your daughter. Uh, but no, no, you don't want to hear that your daughter or your son is worldly, because uh, when when that person says it, they don't. That it's not really any compliment to a Christian to to hear that, um, because they mean something different than what you and I believe. You and I uh, would say. But see, that's just an example here, uh, and that was from you know. The superintendent of schools has <laughs> said that. <laughs> um, and she's a, she was a very nice person, I mean, you know, as far as people go. I mean, and, I, and she's a good friend even today, but, you know, her, her idea of things was different. Well, the second characteristic of society following this worldly system, then, that he gives here is the lust of the eyes. Um, now, how does that fit in? Well, again, because we know that each one of these relate to the natural part of man and the worldly system, um, the what we see dictates uh, much of what we do, and uh, people want to see everything. They don't want no. They want. They don't want anything to be kept from them as far as seeing, and uh, we find that, simply stated. Um, this applies to such evil desires as may arise from what you see from what you see uh, you all remember in in school when you were in Sunday school oh be careful little eyes what you see you you know you remember that little chorus uh, be careful little hands what you do, and we try you know the little Sunday school. Song was supposed to teach the children uh, to, you know, be good, be good, obey the golden rule, keep the ten commandments. Uh, well, they're little children. It's a, it's what you teach your little child to do. Um, don't don't speak to strangers. You know, um, uh, make sure you look both ways when crossing the street. Uh, take your mother's hand when you when you're walking, uh, and on a busy sidewalk, uh, so a stranger won't grab you or something. You know, all of these little things, people tell their children to protect them, so they'll be cautious. And um, well, isn't that what John is really doing? Telling us as Christians, be cautious, be cautious. Uh, the loss of the flesh is is a powerful enemy of God. It's a powerful enemy, you see. And if we're not cautious, if we don't continue to make our guard against it, it will, it will, it will entrap us, you see. And the lust of the eyes is the same thing, you know. Um, we shouldn't look at everything. There are some things, especially, you know, when it comes to little children, little children should not see some things. And of course, that's one of the big issues, isn't it, in education today? In education, they want children to see everything. They want children to read everything. They want children to know everything. And they think somehow this is helpful to children. And um, some of the areas, of course, are, are so delicate. Even the parents would say, No, I don't want my child to know that now. I'll let them know when this time. They don't need to know that right now, and they don't need to see that right now in pictures. They don't need to, because uh, it, uh, that uh, that image that you see uh, is uh, imprinted upon the mind, and some of those images people cannot, you know, easily dismiss. Um, and so, the lust of the eyes is a powerful image, and. And uh, it seems like maybe today um, with the internet, well, you can look up anything you want to look up. You can look up somebody cutting off somebody's head. <laughs> and, you know, in some of these eastern countries, you know, they, uh, they do that sort of thing. And you might say, well, that's barbaric. Well, it may be barbaric and it may be terribly a terrible atrocity. But... Um, Well, even the news media now has come to the place where it says, well, some of these images may be disturbing. And so you may not want your children to see some of these images. And then they go ahead and put somebody falling from this uh, uh, entertainment playground ride, slipping out of the chair and falling. Now, for this... I mean, all all you have to do is tell somebody that. You really don't have to show them that. Because you know the result is the person dies. Um, And so you have to wonder sometimes why um, even the news media does some of the things it does. Um, And then, of course, to say nothing about the the movie industry and the the film industry and what what they put on the screen. Um, and that you don't need to see and especially little children shouldn't see so this area of the lust of the eyes is one which is very, very much at enmity with God it, it is not something God promotes uh, but it's something that is a part of the fallen nature of man and man wants to satiate himself with more and more of what he sees he wants to know more I know when the internet first came out, kind of every once in a while you hear people say, well, I've gone from one end of the internet to the other and I've seen everything. You know, they kind of bragged about it. Um, The third characteristic of this worldly society that he mentions here is um, the pride of life. Pride of life. And one commentator put it in the category of arrogant. Oh, Pride may take on many different forms. You know, your child may get straight A's at school and you say, oh, I was so proud of my child. He got straight A's at school. Well, that's a little bit different. That isn't necessarily arrogant pride. That's just um, accomplishment, well done. And, and you want to reward the child with maybe a, 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 a praise. You know, you did a great job. I'm glad you picked up your grades and you've gotten all A's and And we'll say English or history. I never liked English. (laughs) History was kind of like a take it or leave it, but English was, ah! (laughs) Don't give me these dangling participles. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So um, this third characteristic is one uh, which had been characterized as a kind of an arrogant pride. Eve was tempted by the evil one named as the serpent and which we have come to know as Satan in the book of Genesis. I'll just read the brief uh, statement here in Genesis 3, 6 and 7. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she saw that it was good for food. This is the lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And so the wisdom that she wanted was something that was forbidden to her. She wasn't supposed to know good and evil. God would have been quite content for them to be in innocence and to know only the good that he had created and how he wanted them to live in the garden. He would have been, God would have been quite content if they would have chosen to do that. But because that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there... They became um, married, if you will, into a worldly system that would bring with it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of those things that carried both good and evil would be there. You see, those things in themselves are not necessarily wrong. Because, you know, we are told that when two people are joined together in marriage, then the natural desires of the flesh in the married life is okay. But you're not supposed to go outside of the married life. The things that you see in the married life with your own spouse is okay. But you're not supposed to go outside of it the pride, uh, if you will, or uh, the praise that you have for your spouse and the enjoyment of your spouse, together, the knowledge of, of that union and what God has given to you, God says, is great. Uh, you are to know that this is of God, that uh, once you join together, no man should break you asunder, You know, should, should break that bond. It's a bond that's supposed to be there Uh, for as long as you are both living and so there is the good side of those things but Eve of course succumbed to the temptation of the evil one and I understand that the word temptation there can mean beguile, it can also mean to seduce and in a sense you know the seduction of Eve on that level was to get her to do something in disobedience to God, that she might become at, at enmity with God. And we know the subsequent fall of that that, that uh, whole thing, the outcome, if you will, of that whole thing was that the serpent was cursed, Eve was cursed, and the ground was cursed, I mean, there was, Adam would, would suffer under the curse because he willingly, willingly partook of the fruit that Eve offered to him. Well, so all of that being said, you see how that is a part of the worldly system in which we live. By the lust of the eyes, of course, David, King David fell. He saw something and he wanted it. Also, by the lust of the eyes, Achan, uh, in the battle of Jericho, uh, wasn't supposed to take any of the spoils to himself, and he saw a goodly Babylonian garment, and he took it, he saw a, a wedge of silver, and he saw a wedge of gold, and he took these to himself, he hid them in his tent, and God wouldn't bless Joshua to move on to the next victory until Achan had been punished. And by the way, his whole family was punished, according to the text. Which only means, right, that the, the kind of the circumstances of these things, the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it seems to have broad implications. It doesn't necessarily stay only with the person who did the thing. Sometimes it can, it can have broad implications, and and so again, uh, we are warned concerning this. In Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen and seventeen, it mentions the proud look. Proverbs seems to have quite a bit to say about that. And John says that these are not of the Father, but they are of the world. And so at the end of the, verse 16, he says, um, after he mentions the pride of life, he says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Because all three of these that he mentions are not of the Father, but are they are of the world. And so here, here is the, the line of division, right there, right there. None of those things are of God when in the context of the world and its ungodly system, and um, we may as well mention it what one group of people love to say that they are pride and want to everybody to know that they are. But we all know who it is in society. I mean, they flaunt it, to to the nth degree. And it is not of the Father. It is of the world. All of these things are of the worldly system. The worldly system which we are in. There isn't much that can be saved in it. When you come right down to it, the worldly system is at enmity with God. There's nothing that can be saved in a system that is an enemy of God. Of course, that's coming down pretty hard on the world, isn't it? But we know the difference is our Christian worldview. The difference is our Christian worldview. We have to interpret things according to the Word of God. Not according to the dictates of man or government. Yes, we are to obey government to a point. But if it stands against God, we don't have to obey government. But in most things we have to obey government. Uh, and uh, of course, all of these other things is, uh, are part of the worldly system that we've mentioned. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The last one is simply a contrast that he gives here in closing in verse 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust of it. So here John says, well, this, this worldly system, this worldly system is going to pass away, And all of the desires of the world are going to pass away. But see, here is the contrasting view coming. He says, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now right there as Christians, we understand the interpretation of that statement. It simply means that if you are a believer and you are following God, then you will be with God because God sent His only begotten Son into the world to die for your sins. And you have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is the will of God, that you might know Jesus Christ and His Son, God God the Father and His Son. That is the will of God. And because that is the will of God, and He is addressing the believers, He says to you, all of this other stuff is going to pass away, don't give much attention to it, Stay away from it because the will of God is that you might abide with him forever. And the only way you can do that is by knowing Jesus Christ. Love not the world. Love not the world. And so we understand that we shouldn't get too wrapped up in the worldly system in which we live. We have to be in the world. We have to have finances. We have to have a place to live. We have to raise our families. We have to do the things that we do uh, that we might be known uh, to, to exist. God wants us to enjoy the things that he gives to us. But he does not want us to buy into the worldly system. And that, see, that is the thing right there. We must not do it. We will be tempted we will find ourselves being influenced. We cannot help but know that the worldly system is there. One of the posters that was in, actually the, the first church that I was in, uh, down in Keyes Falls, they had a picture on the wall, and there was this man, he was cut right in half on the poster. And the caption was this, that the world is trying to press you into its mold. And, you know, the pressure of the world on this man who is cut in half. And the world is in the middle between him, And the, the world is trying to press this man into the mold of the world. You see, that's what the world is doing. And we have to guard against it. Love not the world, shall we pray. Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us that we may be preserved and that we will not yield to those things and pressures that the world promotes, a world that is at enmity with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, for our closing chorus, and we'll just take one to um, finish up here. Does somebody have a favorite? <clears throat> Number 2 on page 5. Number 2 on page 5, okay? Okay. Father, we thank you that your blessing thank you, Lord, that your blessing is with us, that your word is powerful, that your spirit can teach us. We thank you, Father, that when we listen to your Spirit, then we can be guided and directed of you, Lord, and be preserved in our faith daily as we walk with you. Lord, we just thank you for your blessing this day in Jesus' name. Amen.